HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Tabard Inn. Feast on eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant or enjoy a cocktail and listen to live jazz in one of their cozy Victorian sitting areas. Mingle with travelers from around the world who find the Tabard the only place to stay when their travels bring them to Washington. For more information, visit www.tabardinn.com. It's Thursday, 1 o'clock, and you are tuned in to The Farm Report, listening to the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, We are coming to you live from 261 Moore Street in Bushwick, Brooklyn, the back of Roberta's, nestled in amongst the smell of cooking pizza. And we are on the line with Charlie Comer, the farm-to-market manager of the Watershed Ag Council. Charlie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Welcome back to the radio. <laughs> Thank you. you know, Thanks you, for having me. I know you've been a guest on um, the main course and some. I, have you been on another show? No, I think that's the the only one. Good. Well, I'm glad to be your first, second show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just so we can kind of catch our listeners up, why don't you tell us a little bit about your position and uh, the work of the Watershed Egg Council? Sure. Um, so uh, we're a nonprofit organization. We work with farmers in the New York City watershed, uh, which is a series of 18 reservoirs and controlled lakes in the Catskills and Hudson Valley region in upstate New York. We work in eight different counties, and we work with, gosh, about, I, it's always hard to keep track, but, you know, we're working with about a 1,000 uh, program participants between our various programs. We have a, an agriculture program where we work with farmers to um, do kind of environmental practices to keep pollution from getting in the reservoirs. We have an easements program where we uh, sponsor um, farmland protection programming. We have a forestry program. We work with forest landowners also for environmental practices. And then we have the program that I work on, which is the farm-to-market program. Um, And we work with farm and food businesses in our immediate region and then across the state to help them just uh, get down to business. Awesome. So what what's what's up about getting down? What's going on what's going on up the office this time of year? Well, this is actually our busiest time of year, oddly enough. I, I think a lot of people think that um, 
in the winter, uh, you know, there's there's nothing going on in agriculture. But uh, for folks like me, this is kind of the busiest time of year because it's when everybody is kind of stuck inside and thinking about what they're going to be growing in the next uh, growing season. So um, this weekend we have our big annual meeting coming up. We do a big kind of kind of business to business conference every year. Actually, we've had um, two Heritage Radio hosts speak at it over the last two years. Patrick and Anne have. Um, spoken to our groups over the last couple of years and it's it's kind of a fun event for us because it's um you know a lot of people upstate are always wondering about what's going on in the metropolitan market or across the state or the region and it's it's a good event for us to kind of think about what's going on what people are talking about like this year or this coming year and um invite people to come and speak about those topics to our farmers. And we have people coming from four states. We have mostly people from the Catskills and Hudson Valley, number of people from Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut, and central New York. And so these these people, you're talking about the people who will be attending the conference. Now, are they are they members of your organization or do they just kind of saw the, the conference you're putting together and they thought like, yeah, man, I want to hear those speakers or... Like, if I wanted to go, what what's the deal? How do you get on the list? How's the door for the conference? Is it a tough door? <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's a very friendly door. <laughs> we, well, well, I guess one of the tricks is you have to be a business person. Okay. So, um, you know, we, um, we're really grateful and fortunate that in our region, almost every weekend during, at least during the growing season, there's about a dozen events aimed at consumers who are interested in local food or connecting with farmers. Um, but there aren't a whole lot of events out there, at least in our area, aimed directly at the food businesses and giving them a venue to meet each other and learn about each other's businesses and, you know, just get kind of brush up on what's going on out there. So, um I'm sure if there were individual, just individuals who weren't business people invited, we would be uh, we'd be nice to them. But we we strongly encourage <laughs> it sure. to be um, to be business people, and and so we think that's kind of a really unique thing about the event. Of course, we have a lot of great stuff going on with um, like production education. We do a lot of like grazing education here and different things like that. But this is kind of a unique, really market driven event. Um, for our for our region and even kind of across the state, there's only a couple of events similar to this um, going on around. So, can you give us an example of like some of the types of people we? You know, obviously, it's not like you know Cisco isn't sadly up to the event. It, I mean, are you talking about farmers who sell at markets or small like regional producers? Or give us a give us a, like a little bit of a flavor of like the types of food businesses that your organization is looking to support and help grow. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the reality is right now in the kind of regional food marketplace is you you kind of have to hit all bases because, um, you know, I have a coworker who always likes to kind of say, like, every small farmer is about to become a bigger farmer or, you know, has the potential of it. And so... um, we we really have to bring topics for people who we have a lot of young farmers coming who are either transitioning into their own businesses or are apprentices on farms. So we have to have topics, you know, for, for startup businesses. We have um, topics for businesses that are established but are looking for new market outlets like working with a distributor or um, working with a larger scale restaurant or things like that. And then we, you know, we we have in the 
the past had a lot more programming for pretty substantially sized businesses, but um, those weren't as popular working with really large distributors. So we changed it this year to um, have one of the tracks be about all the policy talk that's going on in the state and the city around food, and then following that up with how to finance those ideas. Okay. So, so. <laughs> so, I mean, all the policy talk around food, so that's like, what, 15, 20 minutes? And then... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that for, for people in our area, they hear about, you know, like the Food Works report mm-hmm. or the statewide um, kind of report that the governor's office has put out um, or also that the Farm Bill is coming in 2012. And there are, you know, there are farmers and, and business people who want to get more engaged in that. So we want to give them the opportunity to learn about what's what's going on out there. I know that policy is not for everybody, but, <laughs> but we're it's important. It a shot. And I think, I mean, I know definitely for our listeners, it's like a really tangible way for urban residents to kind of get engaged and be involved. Um, I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about your organization, like where your funding is coming from and what, what your mission is? Certainly. Um, Almost all of our funding comes from uh, the New York City DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection. And the funding that DEP provides us comes through um, water bills. And really our organization has been around for about 20 years, I think 18 years now. And we were organized to help... um, maintain the water quality in in the New York City reservoirs and and then their drinking water because um, some of the main pollutants that were threatening the water quality are um, nutrients from uh, livestock operations and then also microorganisms from livestock operations. So we work a lot with, I mean, the the average size, herd size for like a dairy farm in, in our region is less than 50 cows. So we are working with very small-scale producers. We do have a few medium-scale, you know, we, we certainly have larger-scale producers within that average number. Um, but we're working directly with the farmers to implement practices that prevent pollution from getting into the reservoirs. And the regulators that oversee the city, like the, DEP, uh, the United States um, EPA, um, have just regranted us a water supply permit, which is a long story, but is <laughs> sort of um, telling that our program is working. And we like to hope that it's also saving the city money because it allows them to avoid building another filtration plant in the Catskills. Okay, so... I, th- I think it's like one of those things where it you know, may be a little difficult on radio, but if we're trying to paint like a visual image, like I'm at Roberta's in Brooklyn drinking water out of a, you know, an, a recycled wine bottle that <laughs> came out of the tap that came from, you know, what's the scope of the watershed? Like the, the water that we're drinking here, obviously, you know, doesn't come from some magical place. Like, can you paint a picture of, of kind of where our water is? Sure. Um, well, the closest reservoirs begin in Westchester County. And in Westchester, and that's called the Croton system, um, those reservoirs were started 
I, I'm not the greatest uh, watershed historian out there, but I can <laughs> do my Just best. Just broad strokes. <laughs> okay, broad, yeah. Broad strokes. <laughs> um, there are people who are, so I'd be happy to connect you with them if you're interested. Um, but those, you know, many years ago in the 18th century, early 19th century, the city had a bunch of wells within the city, but then they started finding they needed more and more water as the city grew. So they started building reservoirs in Westchester, and then as the city kept growing, they just kept seeing a need to uh, expand their water supply abilities. And so the closest ones are in kind of the middle of Westchester County, and the farthest reservoir away, which is about... 10 miles from where I sit um, in Delaware County, New York, is uh, the Cannonsville Reservoir, which is, I would say, is about 30 miles southeast of Binghamton, if, if people can picture where Binghamton okay. <laughs> might be. <laughs> or they're kind of running a, a west um, of Kingston, New York. And it's kind of when you picture New York State, it's kind of in that little funnel section where we're at. And um, the two largest reservoirs, or, or two of the larger reservoirs, are in the um, east and west branch of the Delaware River. Uh, and the headwaters of the Delaware River start in Delaware County, here where I am, and uh, join together along the border, right along the border of New York and Pennsylvania, and run down to outlet at uh, Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Okay, so as New Yorkers, we are looking to our uh, upstate brethren to for water and then also to be essentially like stewards to the water. And that's kind of where you guys come in is working with with farmers on kind of how to have less of an impact on on the watershed. Is that is that the am I stating that correctly? Absolutely. Actually, everything, all of our programs are voluntary, um, and all of our programs are done in collaboration with a bunch of national conservation programs and using their kind of, their standards and all this kind of stuff. And um, we, you know, we, a great thing about some of these practices, like let's say one of the, you know, technical innovations we're big on around here is like fencing cows out of streams so that they're not drinking water out of um, streams and hanging out in a river all day and doing all their business in a river. Um, we're building watering um, watering troughs and um, fencing along the streams, and that has made a huge difference for keeping nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus out of the streams. And, you know, the, the farmers are doing that because they don't have that infrastructure. If they're, you know, if they're watering a cow in the stream, it's just because that's convenient. That's the way it's always been done. Right. But if we can help them build an alternate, you know, kind of watering system, it helps their business too. Um, the efficiency of having clean running water, you know, having a hopefully a water that doesn't freeze up in the winter exactly. <laughs> like a river does, yep. um, can also help them too. So a lot of the work that we do with them on the farms will hopefully also Im improve their business and, and make it easier to operate. Um, if we can, you know, help build, let's say, um, a barnyard that's not as muddy, that's easier to get around, you know, on a piece of equipment and things like that. So, awesome. Well, although I do a, the, a different program now, I, I used to, as my background, I used to work in that program. So that's, <laughs> that's why fine. You can speak so good on it. <laughs> well, um, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about what's going on in your promatic end of the woods. Okay. <laughs> Great.
public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune into the food scene Tuesdays at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel, photo editor of Edible Brooklyn and Edible Manhattan magazines, we'll further explore the amalgamation of food and art by talking to artists from a multitude of media. Guests will range from photographers, food stylists, interior architects for restaurants, industrial designers, all the players that make you want to eat with your eyes. Get ready to feast your ears every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the Farm Report. You're tuned into the Heritage Radio Network. We are on the line with Charlie Comer, the Farm to Market Manager um, for the Watershed Ag Council up in the Catskills. Charlie, we were talking a little bit before the break about kind of watersheds more generally and um, your organization, and, and we wanted to get into a little bit more about what your role is there now. You mentioned at the beginning of the show you've been organizing the the big you know f- uh, food business conference. What are some of the, kind of the other projects that fall under your purview? Well, we we're working a lot to just let people know what's going on in the Catskills region. Um, there's, there really is a lot happening here, and, and we're really excited to just be able to spread the word to other businesses and then also to just people out in the community, uh, people who are visiting our area um, over the summer when it, when it stops snowing. <laughs> um, I think you guys are getting snow down there, too, We right? did. I woke up this morning and yesterday morning to snow on the ground. Yeah. But well, I already put my winter coat away, so I'm just <laughs> cold now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I had I had packed away the long johns and all that kind of stuff myself and but one good thing about the cold weather for us is it's good for the maple producers. So about a week ago the sap had stopped running like last Friday and so now with this cold weather again we're we're getting another run. So um, a big thing happening in, in our area is a, a lot of the farms uh, participate in Maple Weekend, which is a statewide uh, kind of kind of open house, open sap house across the state. And uh, we're excited. One of the farms we work with had a nice profile in the New York Times last week, uh, Shaver Hill Farm there in here in Delaware County. And um, so maple is kind of the big topic right now. Everybody's out tapping and boiling, and, and that's really fun. Everybody kind of stays up all night boiling and hangs out around the, around the sap house. I know. I'm, like, feeling sad this year that I'm not going to get to go to a pancake breakfast where I, like, can, like, put my pancakes underneath the, you know, evaporator for, like, fresh syrup. But we'll have to suffice by just going to the farmer's market this weekend and getting this year's this year's <laughs> run. Um, yeah, and, you know, we're having a lot of winter farmer's market around, markets around here, too, which is great because... We are, you know, really quite rural, but um, there are a half a dozen winter farmers markets happening in our area, which has been great. And people are extending their seasons out. And some of a number of our farmers have kind of been learning from going to city farmers markets about, you know, what they might uh, city winter farmers markets about what they can do and how they can make it work for themselves to be doing farmers markets all year. I recommend the full body Carhartt suit <laughs> and pocket warmers in your shoes. That's um, right. Personally. Flannel lined. Yeah. Um, what about the rally next Wednesday? American Farmland Trust is hosting um, their their rally, the Policy Day up in Albany. Are you guys going to be representing? 
Yes, we are. We're going to head up there with a few of our board members uh, who are, our board is almost all farmers. So we're heading up with some farmers uh, from our area, some dairy farmers, some vegetable farmers, some uh, people who are involved in farmland protection um, here in the Catskills. And uh, yeah, we're excited to go. It's going to be my first time going. Um, and, you know, there's a lot going on with the state budget uh, right now related to agriculture. So I think we're excited to just come and represent our area and let people know just how much is going on. Yeah, I mean, is there anything kind of particular that, that you guys are looking to, to push as an issue from your region that, that sticks out to you? Well, for us, I think one of the most important things is just the economic aspect of agriculture. Um, in, in the Catskills, our, most of our counties, um, the like number one industry is tourism, and the number two industry is agriculture, and they're really connected. You know, it's uh, food is really at the core of our of our economy in our region because people are coming here as tourists because it's r- rural and beautiful, and they can go and get sweet corn and visit farms and and things like that. So. Um, that's one of our our big important points is that for us it's it's really the base of everything that happens in our area. And I will say for New York City residents, um, there is a bus um, heading up to Albany that will be leaving Wednesday morning. Um, you can find more about that at www.farmland.org. Uh, it's a free bus. They'll feed you, take you up to the rally day. Um, you get a good chance to get your your policy and civic duty out of the way, you know, for the for the day, for the month, for the year, whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, and it, it's definitely a fun time. Um, so I would I would highly recommend checking that out. I will be on the bus, so I'll see you up there. Um, what about I, we didn't mention uh, how people find out more about you guys, or if they if they're interested in learning more about the watershed, um, kind of w- where they should look for that. Sure. Um, our main organization webpage is nycwatershed.org. So it's just all one, no periods or anything, just nycwatershed.org. Um, and our Far By Local campaign and our, our local food programming, the webpage is purecatskills, P-U-R-E, catskills.com. Awesome. So can you tell us, the, you, you work as the farm-to-market manager, and what are some of the other roles in your office? I mean, is every, everyone is sponsored through the New York City, you know, through, through a New York City budget, or? Um, it varies because our, our organization is really one of these kind of public-private partnerships um, that you might hear about in school or places like that. Um, and so we, I, I work in the, I'm calling you or speaking to you from a USDA service center. Um, and we work with USDA agencies, uh, statewide agencies, and um, uh, like Cornell University Extension as well. So people are coming from various different places. Um, and we're working across a large area. This this office serves five counties or for, through this program. Um, so, you know, people, people are coming out of uh, different funding sources. Okay, and I think that's been something really interesting. And we've had, you know, several guests on the show kind of talking about what is, you know, what are the different types of organizations and infrastructure that are set up to support farmers and, and kind of where that money is coming from and who, who's kind of directing that, that outreach and, and that, that change is kind of always fascinating to me, kind of, you know, following, following the money back um, usually leads to some pretty interesting discussions. But 
Um, let's get let's talk a little bit more about the conference that you have coming up. Who are some of the the speakers that you guys are going to be featuring? Oh, sure. Well, um, let's see. I'm just looking at the agenda. Um, we have a couple of women coming to speak about buying clubs, setting up consumer buying clubs that are focused around uh, working directly with farmers, which is, you know, apart from like the CSA kind of concept, which is great and very a very secure source of funding um, for farmers, the, we feel like buying clubs are also kind of a unique option for, for some of the farms in the area that maybe don't have uh, as consistent of a supply as a CSA farmer might. So we have a woman coming from the Food Shed Buying Club, which is in the Utica area, and we have someone coming from the city uh, who has the New York City Meat Share, which is a meat buying club. And um, so I'm really excited about about hearing about those, and I, I've heard from a lot of people that they're interested in uh, attending that talk, and I'm sure it'll be really popular. Um, we have a farmer from here in Delaware County, Ken Jaffe, who has Slope Farms, and um, Andrew Tarlow from Diner there in Brooklyn, um, speaking about their kind of ongoing relationship as businesses and how they've kind of gotten a good commitment going between them uh, marketing kind of whole carcass marketing or i guess i guess we could call it nose to tail maybe that would be a little more (laughs) proper um but up up here we call it whole carcass Um. (laughs) call it what it is we don't (laughs) need to sugarcoat it on the farm report (laughs) okay that's good (laughs) um so you know for for a lot of the farmers of course it's a challenge to sell all of the cuts that they have and we're really interested in hearing about ways that we can educate eaters to um, try out different cuts or um, try out kind of specialty things like charcuterie and and whatnot. So um, we're excited to just hear about, you know, we just try to bring in um, different businesses that are have kind of been leaders in supporting farmers every year. Um, so that's why we had asked Andrew. Um, let's see, we have also, we have a man coming and talking about succeeding uh, in sales at the farmer's market, doing doing better at the farmer's market which uh, some people have different <laughs> experiences and different levels of success at the farmer's market. So we're hoping we can help them out um, by <laughs> letting them hear from him about some of his sales tactics. Um, we're having June Russell from Green Market come and speak about their grain initiative, which, of course, I think a lot of people are excited about seeing more and more local flour yeah, and we, grains. We had June on the show uh, in November when they were kicking off the Grain Week here in the city. That was a great show show oh, that's and great. she's doing great work and it's great grain so i'm glad that she'll be up there kind of spreading the gospel yeah and for you know the reason for us too that it's it's interesting is so many dairy farmers are growing small grains now because of high grain prices so although we don't have a mill here mm-hmm. <laughs> we have tons of people with the skills and equipment like implements let's say um, to grow grains. I mean, we have people growing oats and, you know, different types of things like that already or buckwheat, things that, um, you know, maybe it could be a great secondary option for a dairy farmer to grow some specialty grains for some of these businesses that have mills. Um, and, and I think that's another part of the story for the kind of from the rural perspective is being really excited that it's something that, traditional farmers can can get access to as well 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like such an exciting, I mean, such an exciting time to, I think, be, be in the food movement and to be in farming, you know, there's all this great energy and a lot of people, you know, really smart, talented people kind of thinking about creative solutions to, um, some of the, some of the stuff that we're up against here. So it sounds like an exciting conference, um, full of great speakers and we'll be, uh, looking forward to kind of hearing some of the outcomes down the road, you know, where we have, you know, future farm farmers on who say, well, you know, back in 2011, I went to this conference <laughs> Way back when. and ever since then my business has doubled. <laughs> that would be great. That would be like the magic wand moment, right? <laughs> That's right. Awesome. So Charlie, we have about a minute left on the show. Is there anything you wanted to, to touch on briefly before we sign off? Um, just that if people want to visit our site, we have a lot of resources if you're coming to visit the Catskills and if you're looking for farms in our area, we have uh, whatever they might need and we're always happy to answer questions. So Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the show today and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. On March 27th, meet Dr. Temple Grandin, best-selling author and world-renowned animal behavior expert who has designed humane animal handling facilities all over the world. Join hosts Katie Kiefer and Patrick Martins on the main course at 1 p.m. on Sunday, March 27th, as they get an in-depth look at the livestock industry and how it's changing. The following is a public service announcement from Beer Sessions Radio. Beyond the human and environmental casualties of the triple threat disaster in Japan, there will likely also be losses to our collective food culture, from miso and sake makers to outstanding fisheries. With help from the New York State Brewers Association, the Good Beer Seal, Beer Sessions Radio, and craft breweries alike, Jimmy Carboni is hoping to raise funds that will go directly to Hitachino, an excellent Japanese brewery, through a benefit at Brooklyn Brewery next Monday, March 28th from 7 to 10 p.m. In addition to beer, there'll be food from the Meat Hook, Jimmy's Number 43, Waterfront Ale House, and a few local Japanese restaurants. All money raised will go to Kiyuchi Brewery and Hitachino Beers, which they will distribute via humanitarian aid locally. To date, the brewery, which lost 500 bottles in the earthquake and suffered some damage to its physical plant, is filtering and bottling water for its community and providing them with food. You can read a letter about the quake's aftermath to Jimmy from Toshiyuki Kyuchi, the brewery owner, on his site. And you can buy tickets to the benefit on brownpapertickets.com backslash event backslash 166978. That's brownpapertickets.com slash event slash 166978. The following is a public service announcement from the Museum of Food and Drink. Dave Arnold and Patrick Martins have gathered a team of New York's most innovative chefs and bartenders to create a nine-course fundraiser lunch at Del Posto, Sunday, March 27th. Their intent? To kickstart the greatest food museum in the world. 
The menu for this unprecedented event is derived from educational themes of the museum. Chefs will draw inspiration from sources outside their normal sphere. How will a cutting-edge chef handle the Paleolithic, or a dish only using pre-Columbian ingredients? What will a modern Italian chef do with ancient Rome? The chefs include David Chang of Momofuku, Wiley Dufresne of WD50, Mark Ladner of Del Posto, Nils Noren of the French Culinary Institute, Cesare Casella of Salumeria Rossi, Carlo Maracci of Roberta's, Brooks Headley of Del Posto, and Christina Tozzi of Momofuku Milk Bar. Bartenders include Audrey Sanders of Pegu Club, Thomas Waugh of Death & Company, Simon Ford of Pernod Ricard, Damon Bolte of Prime Meats, and Eben Clem of BR Guest Restaurants. Proceeds from the event will directly support the Museum of Food and Drink. Tickets are very limited and $250 per person. To purchase tickets, please visit mofad.eventbrite.com. That's M-O-F-A-D dot eventbrite.com. Once again, M-O-F-A-D dot E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Sponsored by Pernod Ricard, Heritage Foods USA, Pat LaFrieda Meats, Barterhouse Wines, Del Posto Restaurant.